Welcome to the Dairy Dive. This week we're going to dive into Christmas and New Year's and things like that. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days you wonder if I ever milk cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. Well, welcome back to the Dairy Dive, and on the Dairy Dive this week, there are three of us. Gentlemen, state your name. My name is Scott Harris, brand manager, Master's Choice. I'm Jimmy Parmley, account manager for Master's Choice. And I am Andrew Crabtree. I do marketing things. So we are recording an episode a few weeks in advance of Christmas, and this episode will launch, I think that we figured it out was the week of Christmas, right? I think so. And so I wanted to call attention, as we're starting out here, I want to call attention to the fact that if you are a person that is listening to this podcast and you're enjoying your, your paid time off or you're, you're on your Christmas vacation, um, Scott, is a dairy farmer on paid time off right now? No. Jimmy, have you ever seen a dairy farmer with paid time off? So thank your dairy farmer who on Christmas morning is milking cows. So I, that's a job that never ceases. Yeah, most likely he or she is going to get up and go milk cows, then go open presents with their family, maybe spend some time with them, and then guess what they're going to do in the afternoon? They're going to milk some cows. They're going to milk some cows. And then Monday morning, after they've had their nice little holiday time with their family, they're going to wake up and... Milk cows. Yeah, milk cows. So... That doesn't mean they don't have a nice Christmas, and I'm sure they will have some nice time with family, but as we are recording this, we just wanted to uh, give a thank you to those dairy farmers out there that are uh, they're making your Christmas cottage cheese uh, possible. Christmas cottage cheese, is that a big thing? I, I mean, I was just thinking of what would be on a Christmas table with dairy, and cottage cheese came to mind. Oh, okay. Do you just... Is cottage cheese a big thing in your household, Jimmy, around Christmas? I probably would have rolled with a good old cheese tray, you know? Yeah. How about a, a cheese ball? Does anybody do a cheese ball? Oh, yeah. I love cheese balls, man. Um, so thank you, dairy farmers, for that. So, gentlemen, as we're talking about Christmas, and we've got some other things, some, some year-in-review things to talk about in a minute, but I would much rather talk about Christmas because it's fun and it's seasonal and we only get to do it once a year. So, Scott Harris, what is the earliest you have ever turned on the Christmas music? That's a really good question. So I, let me say this. I love Christmas music. He really does. I love Christmas music. So um, I don't think it would be outside the realm that like I've played Christmas music music regularly since the 1st of November. I don't feel like that's atrocious. I mean, could I listen to it earlier? Yes, but I can't say that I really do. I'll randomly throw on a Christmas song here and there throughout the year if I just need to be, like, you know, lifted, you know, spiritually or something, you know. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm down. So, uh, yeah, I love me some Christmas music. Jimmy, you love Christmas music? I like it, but I'm definitely one of those people that likes to wait till December to start listening to it. Do you put up your Christmas tree before or after Thanksgiving, Jimmy? Well, you see, this really isn't my choice. My wife puts up the Christmas tree and all of that the day after Thanksgiving. Day after Thanksgiving. Yep. So I know there's a lot of people that are like super like purists. Like my dad, if you if you suggested 
putting up the Christmas tree before Thanksgiving has ended, my dad would be angry with you. Like it's just that's not something we did. And my household, I I have I own my own home, and I have a wife and kids. I get to make that choice now. Yeah, he can't rule that. I put up my tr- Christmas tree in like middle of November. Yeah, like November fifteenth. I'm like rocking a Christmas tree. Yeah, suck it, Dad. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just refuses to come over. I assume. You guys are you guys artificial trees or real tree guys? We do the real tree. Do you? Yeah. Scott, I would love to have a real tree, but with as much as I travel and no one else around to like you know water it and stuff, might have a house fire and house fire, and it usually wrecks my allergies. So mm. I'm artificial. So Jimmy, tree, artificial tree. I'm not an artificial person. Sure, we'll go with that. So you get the real tree? Yeah. Yep. Is that something you've done all your whole life, or is this a, a you get to do what you want in your adulthood? No, we just started doing it last year. So okay. this was our second year getting the real tree. You like it? Yeah. Yep. The uh, the baby pulling the pine needles off the tree, or no, no, the cat gets in the tree though. That's funny. Now, when I was a kid. We uh, we would go get our own Christmas tree and stuff like that. And one time, my dad took us, and we, I think we were, I think we were on state land, or at least we thought we were. And we actually got chased out of there by some people. <laughs> so we cut the tree, loaded it up, and then we were on like a little high speed chase on a gravel road. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you create you basically it was a felony. You you stole somebody's tree. I think so, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I was like eight years old, you know. Though I was just along for the ride. It, it wasn't like the uh, Clark Griswold tree that was like four sizes too big that didn't fit through the through the front door, was it? Nothing that crazy. Okay. No. All right. No, we do an artificial tree at my house. So my, my little my funny little Christmas tree story is that my wife and I several years ago we had only been married for a couple of years and. Somebody had told we needed a Christmas tree, and somebody's like, "Well, if you go to Target the day after Christmas, you can get some really good deals on a Christmas tree." And so we went to Target, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, these deals are insane! This tree was marked regularly at like four hundred dollars, and we bought it for fifty. Like this is insane!" So we bought a fifty-dollar tree, put it in the closet. Next Christmas, we go to put it up a year later, and we didn't realize we had bought a ten and a half foot Christmas tree, and we only had uh, eight foot ceilings. So that didn't work out so well, but. We kept it in the family. My parents used it for a few years. And then now me and my wife have a large two-story living room and the Christmas tree is back around. So our $50 Target Christmas tree has now found its home. It's glad to see that your cheapness finally paid <laughs> off for somebody, Andrew. I kept that thing around. And I was like, I'm. who knows when you're going to need a 10 and a half foot pre-lit Christmas tree? Yeah, what am I just going to throw away $50? Come on. Preach it. So we, we use our tree that we bought like seven years ago. It's was, it was nice. It's very nice. Um, so not to steal too much thunder from Scott's uh, leadership video that he's doing later today, but do you guys have any uh, like tra- tradition? I guess tradition is the right word, but is there anything that like when you think of like, do you have anything that you guys look forward to? I mean, traditions may not be the right word. I'm not looking for like every year we make cookies and decorate them. Uh, I'm like, what's like, what is something that you do look forward to? So, you know, even if it's not something you do every year, it's something that you, that you do like to do if you can. We always play like, uh, board games and stuff like that with the family on Christmas. So that's always fun. Play like the farming game. And we used to play like Balderdash. If you're familiar with that that's game. That's a good one. I like yeah. Balderdash. So yeah, that would probably game. be my favorite thing. 
That's pretty good. So my family uh, used to do board games until one of them ended in a fist fight. Uh, <laughs> did so someone did someone punch your brother? I punched my brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's um, right. Yeah, we don't we don't do that anymore. We don't speak um, of that. No. And so uh, yeah, no. So now you know Addie's older. My daughter Addie's older. Recording of this podcast, she is sixteen, soon to be seventeen. And so now it's uh, we actually make sure we always watch uh, two movies. On Christmas, we watch uh, The Christmas Story, which is my favorite Christmas movie of Ralphie. all time. Ralphie. And uh, and we always watch, of course, uh, Christmas Vacation. Yes. Jelly of the Month Club, the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. And we always have pizza Christmas night. There you go. I like it. Uh, did you know there's a new Christmas story out? Yeah, it's like him as an adult, right? Yeah, it's called He's a Christmas the Dad Story or Christmas. Like that. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. I watched it. It's nice. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, I liked it. It's not I me. Mean, it's... It's no Christmas story. It's fine. But it's it's worth watching. Yeah. Well, we we'll, we'll, we'll add that into the mix of this year. Try it out. Yeah. Uh my my kids love to watch Elf. Oh yeah. So that's one that we every now and then in the car cuz they've got like a DVD player in the back of my my wife's car every now and then it's like June and they're like, "Can we watch Elf?" So but yeah, I I would say for for traditions things we like to do, um I would say Christmas Eve service at church is is high on the list. Something that I look forward to, you know, dim the lights and and do the candlelit Chris, Christmas Eve service. That's a nice one. So, but yeah, just being able to, whoops, being able to see my uh, my kiddos experiencing Christmas through their eyes and the the excitement of waking mom and dad up at six in the morning and Santa came. Like that's that's fun too. That's something I look forward to. Addie probably doesn't wake you up at 6 a.m. to open presents anymore, does she? Well, there's a couple things. One, she'd have to be up. That's not happening <laughs> anymore. Uh, and then number two, yeah, no, she was uh, she was not not number one big, real big on that. Hmm. So Harrison's probably not old enough yet for that. Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on yet. Next Christmas, maybe. No, he'll if wake him up at close. 6 a.m., but it has nothing to nothing do with to Christmas. Nothing to do with presents. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a good year. We've... Uh, this is actually, as of this recording, it's early December, mid, early-ish December, and this is actually the fourth time I've seen Scott Harris in the office all year. <laughs> Not far from the truth right now. So well, at least in the past sixty days. That's obviously a little, a little uh, hyperbole, but uh, you guys have both put some miles in this year. Yeah, yeah, we have. We've, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I haven't added it up, and doesn't really matter, but. Um, just trying to one of the biggest challenges that we faced as a company this uh, past year was trying to increase our distribution network, trying to find more dealers and distributors. And as part of that, we uh, implemented a certification uh, program uh, for the dealers within the Rob Seco network. Um, and so we ended up putting a hundred and I don't remember the exact number, Jimmy, 115 or something. Sound about right. Yeah. That's guys, pretty close. Yeah. Guys through certification training of which, a lot of those meetings Jimmy and I did together. Some I did on my own. Some he did on his own. Um, but that was just step one. And then so now it's somebody's got to support all those dealers. And so we've we spent a lot of time doing that. Um, so 115 dealers. That's uh, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're a customer of Master's Choice, that makes uh, that makes getting Master's Choice corn on your farm easier. Yeah. So one of the biggest things, and Jimmy can also speak to this. Uh, one of the biggest things we've heard uh, for the past couple of years is we love Master Choice, but we didn't know where to get it. 
And so now we're just trying, continuing trying to fill that gap in some geographies and um, we'll still continue to do that. So. so as we look back at 2022, as we do, um, maybe Jimmy, I'll start with you. What's, uh, what's something that as we've, you know, we're in our kind of second year with the Rob Seco network, we've got added a few hybrids to the lineup. What's, uh, as you look back on 2022, what's something that stands out as you, to you as, you know, this was, uh, this was a home run this past year. Yeah, I think just adding all those new dealers and getting them started. Uh, and a lot of those, and Scott would know this too, are in areas where we never had representation, which is a pretty big deal for us. And then we have uh, some distributors, new ones like GS Long out in Washington, who are really doing a good job out there and growing sales. Nice. Scott, same question. So... Yes, agree with Jimmy on number one. But then the other part to me was uh, I really, you know, data's just now, we, well, it's been in for about a month and a half now, but I haven't actually had time to go through it. But looking kind of a cursory glance at the uh, silage data, I'm very excited about some of the new hybrids we have. Um, we've got 105 day, it's uh, MCT 5515, that looks amazing. Um, just uh, there's 112 day, this looks really good, 6288. Um, Jimmy and I haven't got to see new, we haven't brought in new hybrids in a while. Um, so, and, uh, so the, it's exciting the, and, and I would even say Jimmy, the, the current network, not just these new individuals that have come on the current network seems kind of excited about some of those new hybrids. Good. Well, it's good to have new products in the pipeline that people are excited about. And as we go into next year, I think that testing network and all that data that you spoke to, I think will be an even bigger year or big, bigger part of next year. Um, and that brings us to a really good transition and we didn't do it on purpose, but I'm a sucker for a good transition. So we talk about silage data. Uh, I, I overheard you and Jimmy talking earlier about some, about some data that's come out from a couple of the different labs just on their year in review and all, not just master's choice, but all of the uh, samples that have come in. And I just want to know, maybe one of you probably, you know, Scott, take the lead on, on recapping, uh, what you've seen in that. So some of you who listen probably get this, but there is a report that goes out by uh, rock river lab. I assume every lab does this. I only get rock river and I also get Cumberland Valley. Um, they send out an annual report basically once all the essentially silage harvest is done and they kind of give you a breakdown by region. Um, and kind of give you some highlights, you know, here's what we saw as trends. It's not anything to do with a company. It's just them, what the samples that came in, here's what the overall trend was. And so I, I'm going to let Jimmy talk a little bit about one of the things that we, we already talked about around starch, but probably one of the biggest things that stuck out to me that I want to make sure and get across as a message is the, the, the real differences by region were, could be pretty substantial. So, you know, the Northeast versus mid upper Midwest versus Southeast versus the PNC, uh, PNW. Um, so like, I mean, you could just see drastic differences in fiber as averages, drastic differences in starch, uh, uh, undigestible fiber. And so think about it from this standpoint, and this is not an excuse as a company. I want to make that clear, but Think about how hard it is as a company to develop hybrids that we're trying to send to all these different regions when you have that drastic difference in, in quality. And most of that comes down to weather. 
a lot a lot of it comes down to weather some of it's more than just just weather or rain there can be a lot of other factors but um, just the difference in in regions was really interesting to me because that's why when you call one of us you call me or you call Jimmy or John Baker out in the east and you say what's the TTNDFD on 5515 we don't just throw a number out there because it's all really relative. I mean, it, it really truly is to your area and I need to, we need to know more. We can kind of give you what we saw within particular one or two or 10, 20 plots, but that doesn't speak to the entire hybrid. There's too many factors. Just that's like saying, well, what's it going to yield? I, I don't know. Give me, give me a magic eight ball and I can tell you what the weather's going to be. And I can maybe give you an idea. And so just kind of the, it's, it's good to look at. And I, I think you can get, even if you're not a customer of either one of those labs, I think you can get that report um, if you go to their websites. But uh, just look at that and look at the, the, the stark differentiation between the regions. It's pretty interesting. Jimmy, uh, one of the other things that I know that, that stood out from, from listening to you guys talk earlier with the, uh, uh, the data coming back was that uh, there were some things you guys noticed in terms of starch digestibility particularly. Yeah, so I think one interesting thing was uh, starch digestibility wasn't just down in one region. It was actually down across the board, so across the entire nation. And I don't know if that's, uh, I'm sure the environment may play some role in that, but I just wonder too if there's not some genetic things going on there with the kind of hybrids that are being planted on the majority of the acres. Well, I don't know, I don't know how much of this is, is actually out in the field now, but I know that there's a big push from uh, other non-silage specific companies where they're trying to push uh, higher lignin and they're trying to push uh, standability and so they're they're definitely breeding a different type of short stature um, corn that uh, maybe isn't livestock focused and so um, Scott is it any surprise to you that we see nutritional qualities of products going down kind of in a general direction no not at all the the surprising part is that we I don't know if it's surprising, but the part we have to remember is you can be fooled by just looking at the starch number. Because if you look at just starch, in most of the regions it was up, right? The no amount of starch. Star okay. Starch content. Right, exactly. So, um, or it was at least maybe not up drastically, but not really down. But when you look at the digestive part and you look at the fecal starch remaining, um, they were pretty. it was pretty, uh, it told a pretty good story. And so we want to really exploit that in a, in a good way and, and say that this is it's it's trending the exact way we said it was going to happen. I mean, that's there's no other way to say it. And so so instead of just trying to feed a bunch more starch, let's make sure that we're feeding available starch, digestible starch. Well said. Um, is there anything else that jumped out to you guys uh, as you looked at uh, looked at silage data? The only one, uh, I didn't see it as much as I, because um, it wasn't really in these reports. But one thing I will say that I think you need to be looking at, um, if you can pull any kind of historical data, maybe from your farm or, um, you know, if you if you work closely with a, with a lab, see if you can maybe pull it from them. And I want you to look at the undigestible portion, the UNDFD240, and look at how that's changing because that number is getting worse every year and it's going to continue to trend that way 
Um, so that's the part of the, the ration that, you know, essentially part of the plant that is completely undigestible. It doesn't matter um, how it went to the animal. And in 240 hours, it's just not digestible. And so we like to see that number, you know, I mean, love to see it in single digits. But right now, I think teens is acceptable for lower teens. Um, and it's but it's trending up. And so we want to see what that's going to continue to look like. Um, so continue to watch for that. And that was another one that I think. I don't think it's gonna. I think you could see a big differentiation probably in the Northeast versus Washington State, but in both regions, it's getting worse. The the number's different, but the trend is going in the same direction, and so um, that'd be an area that we really want to watch and really make sure we're paying attention to. Well, good deal. Um, as we we're gonna wrap up, we're gonna gonna start to start to close up here. But before we do, I I wanna. If we're if we're gonna do do holidays and talk about Christmas and some sentimentality and stuff, uh, what are you most looking forward to to next year? So, um, Christmas and New Year's are like a week apart, right? So let's just wrap this up. So, what's your your New Year's wish for Master's Choice or our customers or dealers or any of those things? Hmm. Most looking forward to um, for me would be being home for two straight weeks. At the uh, end of December and the first week of January, that's going to be it. awesome. Prove yeah, it. yeah, we'll see. But that's that's the plan. Block those weeks off. So, uh, but no, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, there's still just a you know, we're we're how long? I mean, I don't know if he, I would still consider this to be like post COVID. Mm-hmm. Right? So, just I feel like every year or every year, every month, we get a little further removed from that. Um, I don't think I don't necessarily fall in the camp that I want to go things to go back to normal because I don't know if there's a, such a thing. Um, but I do want us to um, get back to a state of I mean, s- lots of people still didn't meet together last year for Christmas. So for a lot of people, this can be their first year in two years yeah. having Christmas together. And so, um, you know, just appreciating that time. Um, I think that we live in a very divided uh, country, no matter where someone stands. And so to see that maybe be healed a little bit over the next uh, year would be great for me. He went pretty big picture there, Jimbo. Follow that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, just kind of looking forward to just getting some time off around the holidays and hanging out with the wife and kid, you know. Love it. Well, if you are listening to this, I appreciate you. I, I, my New Year's resolution or my, my thing that I wish for the next year is that the Dairy Dive grows in popularity and that all of the people in the dairy industry can hear how awesome we are. That's, that would be wonderful for them. Yeah. I do it for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so we do appreciate you listening to this. Thank you uh, for, for giving us uh, your time in 2022, and we really Hopefully we hear back from you in 2023 and and we hope that you would uh, subscribe to our podcast and give it a great rating and all of those things. But uh, more than anything, I hope that we're giving you some good information that you can use practically on your farm and in your your part of the dairy community. And uh, we look forward to continuing that next year. Yes. And a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to Jimmy and Andrew. Oh, and me. And Andrew. (laughs) Oh. And uh, all those listening out there in Radio Land, or on, on the <laughs> on the internets, on the internets, the webs. So no, we we do we like it. I like working with you guys, and and we don't say it enough. 
We don't say it enough. That's true. But I've said it once today, so that's enough. That's, that's plenty. So, all right. Well, podcast audience, we'll see you again next year. Thanks for your time. Well, that's it for today's episode of The Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format. And if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review. A good one, we hope. Uh, but those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.